Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Well, hey, y'all, and welcome back to another edition of Try Beginner's Luck. Ooh, I tell you, you know, when you switch times and you do something at a different time, it changes up your whole flow and it feels like nothing is coming together the way you want it to, but yet it's coming together perfectly at the same time. Do you ever have those moments? Well, I'm having one of those moments today and it's okay because that's what, who we are as triathletes is we learn how to adapt and transition and we do it well and we make the best out of all of the opportunities and the challenges that are presented to us, we present it back to them the way it needs to be. So with that said, my wig is on right, my lipstick is on, my glasses are on, and I have a guest that I want to introduce you to today. Yes. So this young lady, I was introduced to, I think just kind of through the DEIA, USA Triathlon, um, Thrive for Change Summit. And we were all in these panel discussions and then endurance exchange happened and I kept seeing her name and I was like, I wanna know who this girl is. And then somehow we connected on Instagram, thanks to IG for you know being a connector of sorts. And we have just been in connection. I've been following her story, but I really didn't know her story. You know how you know surface level about somebody, but don't really know? Listen. This young lady is that. She came into the triathlon space in 2015 after volunteering in 2014. And since she is now a coach for two triathlon clubs and a run club, and she has a heart for beginners. So you already know I had to have her on. Well, let me just bring to you coach Doc Holiday Golden. Doc, welcome to Try Beginners Luck. Thank you so much, Mashanda. It is a true joy to be here, to connect with you real time, and to talk a little bit about triathlon. So thank you so much for having me today. Of course, I wouldn't have it any other way. I absolutely just love your story. From the way you grew up, I've had an opportunity to read. What I do is I kind of ask my guests, I send them out a pre-questionnaire to kind of help me since we have short amount of time to learn everything we need to learn. And so I send out a pre-question interview and I get information back and I'm always wowed by all of my guests. But this particular guest, Doc is just the epitome of overcoming. And we learn that in triathlon, we don't get to the finish line without having to overcome. So Doc, take us through your journey to triathlon and then coming into the triathlon space. Certainly. Um, I had the privilege to be on the track team in high school. So I had done a little bit of running and some jumping, triple jump, high jump, um, you know, but certainly had never gotten into distance running. And anytime the coach wanted us to run more than a mile, that was, he might as well have said a marathon because I was all about like 100 meters, 200, maybe 400. 
800, 800 meters was a stretch. Um, but so that was my running background. And then when I went to NYU, I started uh, my undergrad studies at NYU in 2000. And I worked at the fitness center, the Coles Sports and Recreation Fitness Center. And I met a man who started to, he was training me and preparing me to be a, a fitness supervisor and a personal trainer. And he was always talking about his triathletes and how, you know, they would get up at 4 a.m. and do these workouts and they would swim and bike and run and race. And they just sound like amazing, super human beings. And um, I was really, you know, intrigued and provoked to see what this triathlete, you know, life is about. And, um, and that, so that was when I was in my undergrad and then graduated and moved on with different things in my life and was recreationally active. You know, I, I, I wasn't on any particular teams during college or after college, even in those first few years, but I was the girl, if anyone said, let's go for a run or let's play basketball, let's play soccer, let's go skiing, like, you know, whatever. And I'm, I'm not a skier, but if someone invites me, I'll go. Um, so I was just very active and would do anything invited and just, you know, staying active. Um, but uh, in 2014, I volunteered because I was invited to volunteer for a race for a triathlon. And I was like, I want to see what this is about. You know what? I didn't know what a transition area was. I didn't know what you wore during a triathlon. I didn't know how to change a tire. I didn't know anything, but I was like, a good place to find out is volunteering at a race. You, I can see with my own eyes what's going on. And I have access to the athletes to ask them questions as well as volunteering with the other volunteers who likely would also be triathletes um, or have family members and spouses that are triathletes. So I was like, so I'm going to like break in and uh, really loved my volunteering experience, loved supporting and cheering on the athletes and asking a lot of questions. Um, I, you know, usually in a volunteer team, there's a little group of people volunteering together. And I asked some more questions than they've probably ever been asked in their lives and really like learned a lot and wanted to kind of dip my toe in the water so a few weeks after volunteering for the second race that I volunteered for, I received uh, an email that was like, thank you so much for volunteering. Um, congratulations. You have a spot in next year's New York City Triathlon. And I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I didn't know <laughs> that I was going to have a spot. I just, I was volunteering to get the experience and meet people. And, um, and I was like, well, if I have a spot, I guess I have to do a triathlon next year. So I signed up for the race. And then I was like, I need to find a team because technically I know how to swim. Technically I know how to ride my bike, but I don't know how to do any of that efficiently or put it together. Uh, and I started doing some research and looking for teams near me that looked like you know, I would fit in with the people that I could do the training schedule that they had available um, and that it was affordable. So I, I found Empire Tri Club and I saw that they had a beginner program that was also very attractive because I wanted to join a club, but it's an extra bonus 
to be able to train specifically with other beginner triathletes. And that was really, that was the beginning for me. Um, I, once I joined that beginner program and I had friends to train with and I had coaches that were giving me education, um, it was a great first few months leading up to that New York City triathlon, which was very challenging, but also very rewarding. And I, I felt fully prepared because I had the coaches that had been answering my questions for months and I had my peers. So I didn't feel like the only new kid in the water um, and just fell in love with the sport and started off the year wanting to complete that one triathlon. And before the end of the year, I had, I had done five triathlons and wasn't sure what happened, but I did five triathlons and yeah, just kept falling in love with it more and more. So that's, that's kind of how I got into the sport. Drank the Kool-Aid. Not only did you drink the Kool-Aid, but you absolutely did not flinch. Is there a party going on in your house? There's not a party going on, but there might be a small child making some sounds. And I apologize for that. She's like making some sounds. I'm like, what is happening over there? Because I need to be over there with Doc because that's where the party is. And she didn't flinch. She was like, I am finishing my statement. I don't even know what that is happening. I love it. You didn't move. I was just like, I know I hear something. Well, anyway, if you heard something in the background, you know that's a small child making noises. And it's okay. No party going on. Volunteerism is one of the most incredible ways to get into any sport. And oftentimes a lot of race directors need volunteers. So if you're listening to this and you are interested and you have not tried a race, volunteer. You will learn a lot. And even if you are, an avid triathlete, volunteer, because people, race directors need your help. And I want to point out that in this case, you got to volunteer with benefits because the New York City Marath- New York City Triathlon is a highly sought after triathlon. And that's an incredible way to be able to try right in your backyard. And you did it because you volunteered. Yes, yes. And if I can add also in terms of volunteering, um, it's a great way to to be a part of the entire triathlon community um, because some some people are not physically able to do a triathlon or they're nervous or what have you, but there's so many ways that you can give back and be a part of the community because without volunteers, there are no races and there is no triathlon without volunteers. Um, and volunteers often make or, you know, can make the day of an athlete who's racing. So definitely hear Mashanda out and get out there and volunteer, be a part of the community, have fun, make friends, make people's day, like, and have your own day made as well. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm a huge encourager of volunteerism and want to just encourage you guys, volunteer. Your services are always needed. I don't, I've never met a race director who will turn down help. (laughs) Right. right. Never have I met a race director who will turn down help. So be there for your local community, you know, your local race directors, and you never know, 
you might just have an entry in the bag for yourself. So moving on, 2015, you do the New York Triathlon. Tell us all about it. Wow. I'm like, it was, it was, I mean, for, for an amateur athlete and, you know, an age grouper, I didn't go into that race, you know, expecting to win or to be on the podium, you know, or, or to be last. Like I'm what you call proper middle of the packer. Like I'm, I'm always right in the middle. I never win and I never lose like, well, there's no losing, but I'm never, I should say I never, I'm never first and I'm never last. Um, sometimes I'm a little bit on the top of the middle of the pack. And sometimes I'm a little closer to the back of the pack. Um, but doing the New York city triathlon might as well have been the Olympics for me because I had been training so hard for it for a few months. And it was like my entry into triathlon world, like the next dimension Um, And Lifetime does such an extraordinary job on organizing the races. So like the whole week leading up, there were all these events and there were, you know, there were talks and, and interviews and there was the expo and all these things, you know, that like built the hype of the, of the race and the swag was beautiful. And the shirts, I'm like, one of my favorite race shirts ever was for that first New York city triathlon. I'm like, this is the most amazing shirt I've ever seen in my life, you know? And it was, um, it was, it was great building up to it. And then on race day, our club had over 30 people participating in it. So it was really neat to see, um, your teammates in the same outfit throughout the course, you know, like as you're lining up, for the swim at 5.30 in the morning and you see your, your teammates and then on the bike course, because everything's staggered um, and everyone enters the water at different times, depending on your age group and like men and women, that there are people who are finishing the bike course when I was getting started, you know, and then when I'm finishing, there were other people who were still just, you know, on the outbound. And, um, and it was just so, there was so much camaraderie seeing my other teammates, um, and just being like, I'm not alone. Like we're in this together. And then I remember that year also, there were so many other, other teams that would see our team logo or our team name and cheer for us. Like, you don't, you know, they don't, they don't know my name, but they can see the team logo and just cheer for the fellow triathletes. And I was like, this is an amazing sport. Um, And I just like, I felt so supported. I also felt very challenged and I liked the challenge. Um, And then crossing the, crossing that finish line was, no, 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 let me, let me back up because before crossing the finish line, after the bike course, you, you do the run and there's this really big hill in the beginning you're coming across at that point you were coming across 72nd street from the west side going to the park big long hill i get into the park our teammates had the first aid station so they're cheering like buck wild again i'm like think olympics all right so i'm like that's my team that's my team i get to the mile one marker and it was so hard, like coming off the bike, the, tw- you know, 25 mile bike course like the hills and then getting on the starting the run was exciting because I was getting into the third leg 
of the course, but it was also so physically difficult and starting off on that hill. Um, I like when I got to mile one, I was thrilled to see my teammates, but I was also like depleted of like all strength. And I had a coach, one of the beginner coaches at the time, her name is Sandra Martinez. And I remember she saw me and she was on the, on the inside of the park and I, I was struggling to run. And she ran alongside me on the inside of the park. I was on the path and she was right next to me, like in the dirt and ran alongside of me. And what just encouraged, encouragement was like, you've got this, like you're strong, you're going to make it today. You're going to become a triathlete. You've worked really hard for this. You've got this. Remember to breathe, take a deep breath. You know, she's talking to me and encouraging me and running alongside of me and like, not for like 10 seconds for, for more than 10 minutes. And I, so at that point I'm comforted to see her and I'm listening to all her encouraging words, but I also am so overcome with emotion that she would be so supportive and run alongside me and cheer me and talk to me that I started crying hysterically. So now I'm out of breath from running up the hill and I'm out of breath because I'm being choked up. And I'm like, <laughs> so I'm crying out of breath from the hill. I can barely breathe. She's trying to run inside, but she's like, she's like, focus, breathe, breathe. But I just, I couldn't even breathe between the two things happening at once. And she, you know, continued to encourage me and then like gave me a pat and was like, all right, keep going and explained what was next was like, okay, there's two hills and then you're going to around this corner, you're going to come to a flat, you're going to, and like really helped me visualize the next steps. And I was just hysterical. And um, so she ran with me probably for half a mile or so, I don't know, maybe, maybe closer to a mile. And then I kept going, feeling all that support and love made my way through Central Park and came to the glorious, my version of the Olympic finish line. And they said my name as I ran across the, the, you know, the beautiful red and black carpet. And it was, it was really magical. And then I found my family was there and I had some friends there and I had all my teammates that had done the beginner program with me. And it was ever like so many of us, it was our, our first time. There must've been 20 of us who it was our first time. And then another 15 or 20 who were doing it again. And they, like, we were like tri brothers and sisters. Like I saw my other beginner buddies and was like, we did it. We did it. We're triathletes. And we were literally like walking around, like, mm, like really the bee's knees. <laughs> because there was just an extraordinary sense of accomplishment and family and love. Like I was so astonished that friends came out and friends bought, brought friends being like, Hey, my friend doc is doing the New York city triathlon. We got to go cheer her. And like, they brought friends that I didn't know. And my uncle was there. And my sister was there and friends from church teammates. And it was, it was magical. And I'm like, this is a good sport. This is a good day. You know, it took me a long time that day to get that finish line, uh, you know, but I, I was slow and steady and I got there and it took me a long time in terms of years before making the decision to commit to start doing the beginning. Program. So there was a lot leading up to it and it was 
all very well worth it and exciting. <laughs> I love your enthusiasm. I love how you put up the guns and you were like, yeah, we were doing it. That's what it's all about. And I love the fact that you were in a newbie program and your story reminds me so much of mine, uh, just in a different city, Philadelphia, and being with your tri, your newbie brothers and sisters, right? And you, you've endured these, this training over the course of 16 to 20 weeks, depending on the program's length. And then you come to the big pinnacle and you're here at the big finish and you do it. And it's just like, yes, we did it. What yes. an incredible story. And I was going to ask you, well, what distance? Then we said 25 miles. I figured your first distance was an Olympic. So again, like me, you go from Olympic because that's what they're training you for. You're not thinking about doing a sprint first. So did you have to overcome anything in the race? On race day? On race day, yes. Because you seem like you had a very good, like smooth entry until you came to the run and the run is where you got your encouragement, but how was your bike and how was your swim? You know, um, the excellent questions. And I really thank God that it, it was actually a smooth race. Like the sun was shining. It wasn't, too, it was a hot day cause it was July, but it wasn't a hundred degrees. It was a regular hot July day. Um, which I always will take over a freezing cold day. Um, and my swim was pretty fine. There were, there was some apprehension swimming in the Hudson river. Um, like I didn't know how dirty it's going to be, how strong is the current going to be, but I had done some training. I had done some open water clinics with our club leading up. So it helped me get more comfortable with open water swimming. Um, and it was just, I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to be like, so I was, I was nervous to get in the water, like that whole hour or so leading up. But as soon as I touched the water, I felt instantly comfortable. Um, the water was very warm. It's salt water. So I was floating nicely. Like the buoyancy was great. Had my wetsuit on and the current was strong. They had warned me that the current was going to be strong. And they're like, it's going to be your fastest swim ever. And I'm like, but you guys don't understand. I'm a slow swimmer. Um, it was definitely my fastest swim ever. And um, this, so the rest of the swim went very smoothly. The bike course um, was hilly, but it was fine. Like I was expecting some of the hills and I took my sweet time. I would be going up the hills and people would be like blasting past me. And I'm like, blast on my brother. I'm gonna take my sweet time climbing up this hill. And then I would fly down. You know, there are people who are stronger on the uphills and stronger on the downhills. And I just, I am comfortable and fairly fearless on the downhills and would just really like go into the downhills with full confidence and hoping to build up more momentum to get up the next hill. And um, yeah, and had, you know, had encouragement also from other cyclists along the bike course and uh, definitely was begging God throughout to not let me get a flat tire. And I, you know, and I, I mean, still to this day, like 20 something triathlons later, I'm still like, Lord, please don't let me get a flat tire. Please don't let me get a flat tire. Please don't let me get a flat tire. Of course, I know how to change a flat tire, but I don't want to have to in the middle of a race. So God kept me. I didn't get a flat tire. And then I went right into that, that run and really grateful for, you know, considering all the things that could have gone wrong 
it was very smooth and and good. <laughs> I love that you say that prayer because that's one of mine too. I'm like, I'll take a lot of things, but please don't let me have to change a tire. No, right. no, and no. But I wanted you to talk about the Hudson River because swimming in the Hudson River can present so many challenges. I've swam in um, in rivers before, and this is weird. I don't think I've thought about this, and maybe I've said it before on the podcast, but I felt like there was stuff in the water, and then a day or so later, I was just sick because of swimming in the water. And so the Hudson is one of those rivers because you're in a big metropolitan area. All the things could be going through your mind. And the fact that when you hit it, you had your concerns, you were just so calm. That is so comforting to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, you've heard this phrase before, but literally, like when you're swimming in the Hudson River on race day, ain't nobody got time for that. Like there is no time to worry about what's in this water. Is it dirty? Is there this? Is there that? It is race day. <laughs> so all I need to think about is getting in and out of this water. Mind my business, stay on my path, keep my eyes down. Um, and you know, it's it's not it's not clear what like you, you it's it's murky water, it's it's the river. Um, but and you know, and there's gonna be some debris here and there. Um, but it it really was a fine, smooth, smooth swim. Lifetime is also very good about uh, testing the water repeatedly to make sure, like leading up to the race, to make sure that it's not hazardous. Because there, like, there are parts of the Hudson River and different times of year and after certain rainfalls and such where it is hazardous. Um, and there are parts of the Hudson River, and I've read these articles that literally are clean enough to drink. Um, you know, so I'm like the, the Hudson River is a big, wide you know, there's lots of uh, variants, but it was, it's a great swim. I, I mean, I've swam the Hudson River five times now um, and it's, it's always a good time. <laughs> I love it. So are you doing the race there this year in July? I'm not, I'm not racing it this year. However, I am, a bunch of my athletes are racing it. So I'll be cheering from six o'clock in the morning until whenever the last finisher is, you know, two, 12, one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'll be along the swim course. I'll be, um, you can't really be along the bike course, but you can be at like the bike start. Um, and I'll be all over the run course and the finish line cheering. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we're say a pre-congratulations to all of your racers who will be racing the lifetime new york triathlon in july because clearly this won't be happening in july <laughs> well we just say congratulations to you guys all in advance um so you did your first triathlon in 2015 you braved the hills of new york you braved going through central park and its hills you finish and then you said hey i want more what was more for you and tell us <laughs> the evolution of your triathlon career. Sure. So that, as soon as that race was finished and I was like rapidly thrust into triathlete world, I was like, this is good. I need, I need more. I need more. Uh, and because I was involved with Empire Tri Club, 
I, you know, it was very easy to ask around what other races are coming up? Like, what are you doing? What is this? What is that? Who's doing what? And I found a handful of more triathlons to sign up for that other teammates were doing. And I, you know, so the New York City Tri was in July. And then I think my last race ended up being in October. Um, and, you know, I, I did one, I guess I, I did one in August. And then it would have to have been September and October because the last one was in October and there ended up being five that year. Um, and it was, it was great. And it, that last one that I did was really hard. Also, it was the Montauk try. And I did an Olympic same day. They had a sprint version and a half Ironman, but it was bone chilling cold. And it was the weekend after a hurricane. I think it might've been hurricane Floyd, but it was outside. Uh, um, it was in Montauk. So the winds, the winds had to have been like 30, 40 miles an hour. And, um, and I didn't properly study the bike course in advance. So I wasn't, I didn't know exactly where I was going and I was way in the back of the pack because it was so hard, um, with the hills and the wind. Um, so that it was, it was a good challenging one. And get, when we were getting in the water, you arrive and it's pitch black outside 40 mile an hour winds. Maybe it was 50 degrees if we're lucky. And I was like, we're idiots. We're all idiots. There are hundreds of people here who are about to strip down almost a butt naked, get in freezing cold, choppy water with white caps showing and swim this race for fun. I'm like, oh, it's like, we're, we're all idiots. Like, what have I gotten myself into? This is ludicrous, but I paid too much money for the race to be like, this is dangerous. I'm not doing this. I was like, I paid 200 and some kind of dollars to do this and I'm, I'm gonna do it until they have to drag me out. Um, and unfortunately, like the conditions were so strong, so bad that day that multiple people did get hypothermia and multiple people were pulled out of the water because it was just like, this one probably should have been canceled. It was, it was dangerous. Um, but I very slowly, very, very slowly made it through. I remember I got to a point when I was swimming the last second loop and it was so cold that I had, I had lost feeling in my legs. And I was like, muscle memory, just keep doing what you're doing. You can't feel anything anyways. Just keep doing what you're doing until you like flop onto land. And it was, it was wild, but I was probably one of the last finishers. And I remember my head coach, Allison Kreidevice, being at the finish line um, when I finally came across and was just cheering for me and like arms in the air and like shouting my name and smiling so big. And I felt like she was my own mother. You know, I, I was just like, I have been waited for. Someone loves me and is waiting for me at the finish line and cheering for me and supporting me. And it was, uh, that was extraordinary, but that was, that ended up being the fifth race that year. And then that's, you know, around the end of the triathlon season in October. And I was like, okay, great year. What's on the board for next year? And just started doing research and being like, you know, which races do I want to do over again? And which, like, what else is out there? What else can I get myself into? And uh, yeah. And so that's, 
that's kind of what I went into the next year. And, um, and Allison Kreider Weiss, the head coach, reached out to me in the spring of the following year and asked me if I wanted to, if I would consider um, coaching with the beginner program. And I was like, oh, I just started. I've only been a triathlete for one year. I only have a couple, you know, races under my belt. I'm not ready. I don't know this. I don't know that. And she was like, hey, like, take it easy. You don't have to know everything. You know, like you have some experience and, and you can relate to other beginners and you can make them feel welcome and you can get educated as, you know, as well. Um, and I, I kind of took her up on that, that opportunity to just, just start, you know, coaching one workout a week, one run workout, you know, a speed workout and building up the coaching. And that was, uh, and then I fell in love with that too. You know, and I was like, I love the beginners, <laughs> you know, Aww. and it was, um, yeah. So that was, that was the beginning, you know. I love it. Beginners are the bomb. Yeah. And I love how, you know, you've gone on um, to do even an Ironman and now you're back at coaching. So I'm glad we segue into coaching because you coach beginners. So what would you tell beginners like as you're coaching them now? listening to uh, those who are listening to us now, what would you tell a beginner about getting involved in their first triathlon? What are some of the things they need to do from a coaching perspective? Excellent question. And, you know, I love that question because I think my answer is different than a lot of coaches have, you know, as their answer. Um, and, and, you know, one of the things I always say is remember to have fun. Like you're, if you're training for a triathlon and you want to do a triathlon that's a, that's a privilege. It's a, it's a joy. And it's something that you should enjoy. Like, yes, there's going to be challenges along the way, but it's not something that you should dread or allow to give you constant anxiety and stress you out. So remember to have fun. Um, and you know, don't be as focused on, you know, two workouts a day, every day of the week, and don't miss anything. And, you know, like might have to have this time and I have to have these splits. This is your, in the, when you're entering into the sport, just enter into the sport, see where your base is, and then you can build after. Um, the other, the other thing that I think is extremely valuable in getting into triathlon is community, like having a team, like if you can, if there's a team, if you can find a, a beginner triathlon training group uh, or team near you do that because you need the community, you need the encouragement, you need the education, you know, and the support. And if you can't find a, a triathlon club that you can train with in person multiple times a week, then get a coach, you know, there's coaches, you, you may be able to find a coach to work with you in person in your location. And there are many coaches that also work remotely. And you, you, you may be surprised how effective it is working with a remote coach. Um, and, and I've, I've done that, you know, for a few years now and really have seen extraordinary progress in athletes that I'm not able to always meet with in person. Um, of course, if you can meet in person, that's the better option. Um, but yeah, you want, you want community, you want coaching. Um, you, you need a training plan. Don't just wake up and decide, Oh, maybe I'll swim today. Maybe I'll ride today. Maybe I'll run today. Get a good solid training plan. You invest the time, invest the money and stick to it. 
those are all some fabulous ideas, but you said something key, invest in a good training plan. For whatever reason, if people can't invest in a good training plan, can you go through options for uh, free training plans that are out there, uh, you, training plans for purchase and a coach who can make a training plan for you? Right. Yeah. Well, you, there you go. I was like, you pretty much <laughs> you said it all perfectly right there. Um, but you can, there are training plans available online. Um, they're not like everyone's schedule and life and goals and where you're coming from are different. So that's one of the challenges with a free training plan that you can find online is that it's not customized towards you or towards your specific race or your needs or your ability. It's just general. And now if that's all you have access to, then, you know, do find a, a free training plan, but it is better if you're working, if you are with a, you know, if you're with a club that provides a training plan geared for a specific race um, or a coach that can create a training plan for you, uh, customized specifically to where are you starting from? Where do you live? Where are you able to train? How are you able to train? And what your race is that you're leading up to. There you have it. There's no excuses for just showing up to a triathlon and being unprepared because that's also dangerous. You know, very, very dangerous. dangerous. Yes. Do not show up unprepared. Even if you think you could do it, don't show up unprepared because you put so many more people at risk other than just yourself. You put race directors at risk. You put other athletes at risk. So get a free training plan. Get with a group, a newbie program in your area, get with a coach or buy a training plan off of a training plan service that's out there. There's so many ways that you can do this and not have to put yourself and others at risk. Right. The other thing, you know what, thanks for, for saying that for a quick moment. Um, also, well, two quick things. One is in terms of training, you do want to be prepared. It also makes for a much more pleasant experience if you are, um, if you are, if you train properly, you don't have to have so much anxiety and stress on race day, but it can be an enjoyable experience. Uh, and then there was one more thing that you just said about, what was the last thing that you just said? <laughs> I don't know. I say stuff and it's, it's in the moment. Perhaps was it, um, Oh, yes. I remember that was all I needed was the look. All I needed was the look. And I remember Um, for beginners, the other huge kind of reminder uh, is that you don't have to have brand new top of the line. Everything your first year in triathlon does not need to cost you $10,000. If you want to spend $10,000, I assure you, you will be able to spend every dime of the 10,000. Um, but you don't need to. My first triathlon bike uh, in 2015 is this one right here. It's next name is White Lightning, ironically, because it goes, it goes slow and I equally go slow with it. Uh, but I bought that bike in 2015 from someone it was sitting in their garage for seven years um and it was you know it was just it was already old when I bought it 
It had a few hundred miles on it and I bought it for $400 from a friend of a friend. And that's what I've been doing most of my races on ever since then. And, uh, you know, you can don't, don't be quick to put limitations on yourself financially, just being like, oh, the sport's too expensive. I can't get into it. That's, that's not the truth. There's a budget uh, and strategic ways to go about it. You know, you can reach out to uh, uh, like local triathlon clubs or cycling clubs and say, hey, is anyone selling a bike? People are often upgrading their bikes uh, or going to local bike shops and say, hey, you know, I'm new in the sport. I'm looking for a used bike. I don't need top of the line um, flashy bells and whistles. Uh, and then also in terms of other gear, there are like have dialogues, have conversations with people and see what you're able to um, find for more affordable rates. And again, benefits of being a part of a club is that you can have those dialogues, like you have more access to more people with more stuff and more experience, more recommendations. Uh, and they, and clubs, certain clubs also like Empire Tri Club, we have when all the members have discounts and relationships with local uh, bike shops and vendors and gear, uh, et cetera, you know, and it's, and, and also often like discounts on races themselves. So it doesn't have to be super expensive. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I do think that that is one of the benefits of being with a club is that that listserv is so powerful when you need something, whether it's you need saddle, you need pedals, you need clips. It's the little things you don't think about that you need, that you will need for your race. You know, you want to try out nutrition and then people who have certain codes mm -hmm. because they're ambassadors with other organizations. I think that is such a good point to make that when you're with a team, ask and say, hey, do you have a discount code for, let's say, Trek? Or do you have a discount code for QR? Do you have a discount code for uh, right. chamois butter? Because listen, you're going to need some of that stuff, you know? Like you find different ways to get through it and try on a budget, which will start being a, se a segment very soon as we continue to, to develop. Because I, you know, understand a lot about trying on a budget and how you can do things. And we'll definitely give you guys more ways to do that. But some of these are really good that you should definitely be writing down. With that said, wow, time flies when you're having fun. We have not exhausted everything that we could have possibly talked about. And I wish we could continue to talk so much, but I wanna hit on something really cool. When we were randomly talking a couple of weeks ago, you were telling me how you're the coach of a youth group. And I love the fact that, you know, we want to increase this sport and we're going to do that by doing, you know, getting youth involved. Talk to me about coaching this youth group and how impactful, like, just tell me about it. Just go ahead. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for asking me about it. Uh, so yes, I am coaching for uh, an organization called Tri-Latino. And they have a special juniors department uh, that each year there is a 20 week training plan that helps high school kids uh, prepare for their first triathlon. And that already is extraordinary because I didn't know what triathlon was when I was in high school and didn't start, you know, enter the sport until I was in my mid thirties. 
And um, like, what a joy to get started young. And this program particularly works with um, high school kids, mainly um, like in, in the Bronx and in New York City. And um, it's just, it's an exceptional program. The, the students don't have to pay anything. And we fundraise to provide the opportunities to the kids, um, particularly in inner cities. Like, I mean, in the inner city, it's very uncommon that, that kids know how to swim at all because a lot of kids don't have access to pools. Um, you know, or finances for training and different things, or even riding a bike, you know, like if people don't aren't from the suburbs and don't have bikes to ride around their neighborhood, it's like, where are kids in the city riding their bikes? So this program is geared especially for kids in the in, in New York City. And um, it's it starts in March, and it goes all the way into the middle of June where they'll do their first sprint triathlon. And I have the pleasure this year, I coach the run workout, I coach the strength workout, and I coach uh, with two other coaches, uh, one of the swim workouts. They have two swim workouts a week. They have a pretty rigorous five-day-a-week training schedule that they're doing uh, strength, yoga, two swim sessions, um, a bike session and a run session. And they, uh, they have to give a commitment in the beginning that they're going to come to all the workouts. You know, of course, like if, if an emergency happens, there's an, you know, an excuse or an exemption. Um, but they have to give their word that they're going to take the program seriously and stick with it throughout the entire 20 weeks. And we have a beautiful orientation at the beginning of the season where we meet the students and we meet the parents and the coaches um, and the board of, you know, Tri-Latino Juniors to present the program to the families and the coaches present, you know, ourselves to the team, uh, telling them a little bit more about it and getting them excited for this tremendous journey and the opportunity that they have to train for triathlon. So we are maybe about five weeks into this year's program and we have nine girls. This is the first year in the history of the program over a decade that it's all girls. And, um, and I just love these young ladies. Like they are determined. They are pretty focused for high school girls, <laughs> you know, um, and they are committed. Like they show up and they put the work in. And even two or three weeks working with these girls, it was incredible, particularly to see the improvements uh, at the swim workouts, which for a lot of them was a point of fear or tension, you know, girls that didn't know how to swim at all or didn't know how to swim well, and them getting more and more comfortable with swimming, more and more comfortable being in the wall, and really already starting to excel from where they started is just a joy. Sometimes I work up, I, sh I show up at the workouts and I, I almost want to cry just being just amazed at what an opportunity it is for them and what an opportunity it is for me. Like I'm humbled to be their coach and the one who gets to share this passion and this life-changing experience, you know, for me with them. Um, you know, and a lot of times in, in years past, the, the participants of the program have not just excelled in triathlon, but 
their behavior changes because they're learning so much about discipline and their grades go up in school and like all these great residual positive uh, effects from being involved in the sport and being involved in a team that's supportive and encouraging and they're getting more and more confident and stronger and it's it's really beautiful. I bet it is and I'm so excited and I hope I really hope that we can figure out a way to get them on to talk about their journey and maybe do a pre-journey uh, maybe in a few weeks and then you know, talk to them right after their race to be like, oh my gosh, I just can imagine girls talking about, you know, their journey and how they finished. I can just see the conversation now, but I would love to have them on. And I think it's so good that you are, that you're coaching these girls because they get to see someone who really wants to see them grow, someone who maybe resembles looking like them, who they can talk to, you know, be able to resonate with. And so I just want to commend you for the work that you're doing, not only with the, with beginners, but with these juniors and raising up who our future generation of triathletes will be. So thank you for that. Oh my gosh, this has been so good. So, you know, that's a, that's a really important point actually that you mentioned about, about resemblance, um, you know, representation, because that's also very special to me is that um, all, all my little, all, all the young women in this program are black and brown young women. And that is not common in the sport of triathlon. Wow. And I have never had a brown female coach. Um, and not that I have to, cause I've had exceptional coaches, you know, um, none of whom were brown women, but they were exceptional coaches and that's, I needed their coaching and they loved and embraced and supported me but they didn't always understand the same things that I was dealing with at times in terms of my hair or my body or what have you. Um, and, and like I said, I mean, you've heard from me today, like I had an excellent triathlon journey and experiences, but it is very special for me to know that these young women do have someone who looks like them and can relate to some of those, you know, challenging or awkward things and that they can talk about it and feel comfortable and safe. And it's, it's special. It's just special all the way around. <laughs> I'm just going to say facts and we're going to leave it at that. This has been so good to me. And I hope it has been good to those of you who are watching or listening and I just am going to brag on you for a little bit, Doc. Uh, of course, we didn't get to go into all of the things of who you are, but you've done some incredible things and you do some incredible things, even in your, you know, your professional career, like you are a bad chick. <laughs> and I just want to just, you know, sing your praises of how you make it do what it do. So here we go, everybody. Doc Holiday Golden, first of all, if you don't know who Doc Holiday is, I need you to go into research because her name alone is iconic. Doc Holiday Golden. She is a motivational speaker. She is, she has spoken in over 12 countries and orphanages and shelters. She has a BA in music education. She's traveled to 46 countries. She has done over 90 races. Yes, you heard me correctly. 90 races, nine in the United States, four in other countries. She's done an Ironman. She's a seven times, excuse me, 
10 times marathon finisher now at this point. She is sponsored by Newton Running. She is a member of the Empire Triathlon Club. She is a coach with Empire Triathlon Coach. She's a coach with Tri-Latina and she's also a run coach with a Hospital of Special Surgery. Is that correct? That's correct. Hey, I got it. Woo, my memory was flowing. <laughs> Woo, I tell you, sometimes it gets to be a lot and I'm like just talking and going fast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Doc Holiday Golden. Thank you so much for being with us today. And now we're getting to the fun part of our segment where we get to do rapid fire questions. Oh boy, okay. <laughs> yes, so rapid fire. Doc, you are an orator. You know how to speak. I do not want long questions or long answers, okay? Oh, okay, noted. <laughs> I crack myself up sometimes. And then you guys really listen to me and take me seriously, which I appreciate. So thank you so very much. Favorite leg of the triathlon? Used to be the run. It's transforming now to be the swim. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. <laughs> Favorite post-race food? I literally will eat anything after a race. I just want to do it with people. They can be friends or strangers. But eating food with people after a race makes me happy. Sometimes it's a burger, but I just want to eat in the company of humans <laughs> and tell stories. I, I am not mad at that. Favorite place to bike? River Road. I'm going to go with River Road. It is hilly, but there's minimal traffic. And so that's, that's my, I, I like to stay away from the cars when I can. Okay. So my next question, this is a new one. Do you prefer hills, flats, or rolling hill terrain? I prefer flats, but I, I, I really do. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't love the flats because you have to be pedaling, 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 but I will pedal all day if I don't have to climb a mountain. <laughs> But the flats around here, if you want to ride flat, you have to deal with a lot of traffic. And I've had accidents and I just want to give the cars their space and keep my space. So if I have to ride hills to have a space, I'll ride hills to have a space. <laughs> and ironically, so this is a question. It probably makes you faster on the flats because you have that power. Absolutely. That you... That's 100% true. Yeah. So there's some benefits for those of, us who don't like hills, you know, ride the hills makes you faster on the flats. Yeah. And stronger. And stronger. Yes. Woo. Go to workout. Uh, speed work. Speed work. A uh, uh, run speed work. Okay. When you don't feel motivated, how do you push through? Um, Self-talk and reaching out to teammates and other coaches being like, you know, just being honest, reaching out to another coach or teammate, being like, I'm not motivated. I don't want to do this run. Like, help me out. So. Favorite distance. Uh, favorite distance for triathlon would be the Olympic. Olympic gives you a good challenge 
but also is finished in a couple of hours. So you can still have it like a day and a life. Uh, the 70.3, I love them. I've done several and an Ironman, but that's, it takes so much to train for that. And then even race day, like when you're done, that's, that's the end of your day. Most times. Are you a transition minimalist Goldilocks where everything has to be just right or a kitchen sink space hoarder where you bring everything to transition? Uh, I'm a bit of a, a minimalist. Okay. At the end of the race, is it beer, wine, water, or what? I go usually water and sports drink or water plus whatever is provided for free at the end. If they have hot or if they have chocolate milk, it's chocolate milk. If it's Gatorade or Powerade, it's Powerade. But I pretty much go with what is provided for me for free immediately. <laughs> okay. And since you are a music person, I cannot let you go without finding out more about your music background or who's your favorite music artist. I don't have a favorite music artist mm -hmm. and I have a lot more experience and love and passion with classical and jazz music, okay. which don't always work for my workouts. So just in the past two years, I've been experimenting with more pop music. And one of my recent favorite go-tos um, although I don't listen to music on most of my workouts, if I do like on my bike trainer, Sia has been creeping in a lot. <laughs> Sia's good. Sia's good. But I don't, yeah, I don't run with headphones. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very strong advocate for no headphones on runs because this is your moment. This is your time. Um, this is your opportunity to be out in nature and disconnect uh, and if you are running with friends, you want to be connecting with them. However, I don't want to say I never do that because there are times when occasionally you need a little pep from the headphones, particularly if you're training for a marathon and you're running 16, 18, 20 miles by yourself in the dead of winter, like <laughs> headphones can be helpful then. <laughs> and just for kicks, favorite classical artist? Ooh. Um, that's tough. I wouldn't say that I have a favorite again, but I do love Dvorak and I also love Debussy. Good. Very different, very different. I was going to say very. Um, but you know, lovely for different times and they, they, they give me some, some peace. <laughs> I'm going to go with that. Now, do you play an instrument? Um, I'm trained as a classical singer, um, as a music educator, it is part of the requirements to be a music educator that you have to learn how to play all of the instruments in the band and the orchestra. So I have learned and spent a few months on each of the instruments in the band and the orchestra and the different families. But I wouldn't say that I play them, you know, like I know how to use most of the instruments, but I, I don't really play any actively. We'll still take you, you know, we will take that. But um, Gustav <laughs> Holtz, that's what I was trying to think of for the last one. He's one of my oh, favorites. Yeah. Um, 
classical arrangers. Anyway, I can go down the line on classical music, you know, being a, a musician myself. So I always like to geek out on music. Um, oh, fun. <laughs> so here we go. Thank you so, so much. Last question. Pee on the bike or get off and take a proper pee break? For the bike, um, get off and take a proper pee break. Um, I, this is a confession that I have never made publicly, but during my Ironman, Ironman Maryland, there were a lot of things going against me and I was in jeopardy of missing the time cut off. If you miss the time cut off for the 112 mile bike ride in Ironman, you get, you know, a DNF and you cannot finish your race. And it was Ironman day. I confess I did pee on my bike during Ironman Maryland because I was on a time constraint of not being able to finish the race. Otherwise, definitely get off your bike and pee. <laughs> well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, to each his own. When you need it, you got it. And when you don't, you can do whatever you need to. That's why we love to ask these questions to try beginners, because you'll get the run of the gamut from those who are like, yes, and those who are like, no. Whenever you try beginners like you already know, you always win. I'm Ashonda and I'm out until next episode. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.